Our scripture reading is a familiar one from chapter two of Luke, the Christmas story. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is good to come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they were made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they have heard and seen as it was told unto them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Merry Christmas and uh, what a joy it is to be here to finally get to this point in this moment. And I've got some friends to help me share some reflections and our good news for tonight. Pastor Jeff, Pastor Laura, Pastor Patty, and I'm Pastor Lori Beth. So we've been talking about this idea of this almost Christmas and this altogether Christmas experience. The almost meaning the not quite, didn't quite make it, and the altogether kind of Christmas experience where uh, it just, it comes together and it's spot on. Now, we've also been, been using the Advent wreath themes as a way to, to go even deeper. So what is this almost hope and this almost peace and this almost joy and this almost love of, of this Christmas season? 
where we're trying to remember, trying hard to remember this true meaning of the beautiful Advent and Christmas season. But when are those moments when we just fell short, crashed and burned actually? Maybe you were going for that Christmas card sort of vignette, but it ended up looking a bit more like the Griswold family from Christmas Vacation. You know what I'm talking about. You've had an experience like that. I remember one of my almost Christmas experiences where uh, maybe you can relate to this. That moment when you are trying to coordinate two major family gatherings in two different parts of the state and you've only been married a couple of years, right? Anybody, can I get an amen for this dynamic? (laughs) Yes. And you get to the second family's house only to discover that they've already opened the Christmas presents and they're pulling the leftovers out for Christmas evening evening dinner. Miscommunication on all parts have taken place and it was not our best moment. Not my best moment, not our best moment, Uh, but trying to do too much in one day and um, reaching that point where we realize we've completely lost sight of what Christmas is supposed to be about. I wonder if you guys have some experiences, almost Christmas experiences that you could share. (laughs) (laughs) So as I was thinking about this idea, one of the first stories that came to mind for me was that one year when, you know, we always, like many people, we would, we would gather as a large family and everybody would bring something to the meal. It was a potluck share kind of thing, you know? And everybody would bring their favorite dish. And, and for whatever reason, one year we decided, you know, it's been a tough year. It's been just, it's been a lot going on. I don't even remember who suggested, it might've been my grandmother that suggested, hey, why don't we go like simple this year? Why don't we try something different? Let's just go really super simple. And we're like, okay, well, what should, what does simple look like? And she goes, how about pizza? Let's order pizza. <laughs> we're like, um, okay, sure. And like, I'm, you know, I'm like my kid's age at that point. I'm probably five, 10 years old. I don't know. Um, so I didn't really, I was actually pretty happy. Like pizza sounds great. Like I love pizza. There's a lot of stuff y'all bring that I'm not quite sure about. Um, and so we get to Christmas Eve and everybody shows up and we sit around the table just like normal, but instead of like grandma bringing out all the favorite dishes, right? It's like a cardboard box just (laughs) plopped in the middle. All right, dig in. (laughs) Uh, almost, <laughs> almost Christmas. Totally, <laughs> totally. What about you guys? Yeah, well, last year was kind of an almost Christmas for me, mm-hmm. right before Christmas. I was planning to be at all four Christmas Eve services, and I think I was even maybe supposed to preach at one of them. Yes. And then I got the flu, like, right <laughs> at Christmas Eve. And so instead I was home. I insisted that JB go on to his Christmas Eve service. I was just home by myself for a little while. He really wanted to say, you know, didn't want to leave me home alone, but I was like, no, no, go. go. And so it was a kind of sad, uh, almost Christmas, almost just Christmas. feeling really sick and staying in bed. Yeah. Pitiful. Well, my almost Christmas was, I had the bright idea um, during my first marriage to bring both, have both of my families in for dinner, my mother's and my mother-in-law's family. And realizing afterwards, they both have two different cooking styles. (laughs) My mother-in-law cooks a turkey until it's dead. (laughs) My mother cooks it a lot shorter. So every time I would leave the kitchen, I would hear my oven door open, up and back. 
and either somebody was putting the turkey in the oven or somebody was perking the turkey out of the oven. So I finally made them both mad. It was the first. Shot them out of there. I had a lovely, warm, beautiful Christmas dinner with the coldest atmosphere I had ever felt in my life. So that was almost Christmas. Almost Christmas. Yes. I bet you can add to our list. I bet every one of us has a story that reminds of us of those almost Christmas moments. Um, I, we were talking about this yesterday. When we think about the nativity story that we just heard um, played out again, it didn't sound like an altogether Christmas to me at all. It sounds much more like an almost Christmas. Now, the way we sing about it, the way we talk about it, makes it feel like this beautiful, um, serene, altogether Christmas moment. Like our first three worship songs, right? right. Like yeah. beautiful, serene, yeah. like just like, oh, this is yes. it. Yes, lullabies, Christmas. right? Yeah. yeah. But if we really think about it, that is not how that night went. You got a crying baby, pooping baby, hungry baby. You got the smell of a barn around you. Missing in the story is any grandmother, mother, aunt, or midwife to help Mary. Like Mary and Joseph are all alone. They're probably hungry. They're exhausted. This has all the makings of an almost Christmas moment. Except it isn't. It isn't. It wasn't an almost Christmas moment because actually what was happening in that moment was that God was doing a beautiful and amazing thing, an unexpected thing, a life-changing thing. Powerful in and through the powerless, but altogether human. And all of its um, messiness and humanness, but it was also altogether beautiful in all of its wonderment. Where that space between heaven and earth becomes awfully thin. I've heard you use that phrase multiple times, Jeff. Awfully thin. Uh, because God meets humanity, how? In the form of a baby boy, a perfectly imperfect moment. And I just wonder if that might be one of our clues and keys to discovering what makes an altogether Christmas and Christian moment. So why are we using this language almost and altogether? John Wesley, founder of Methodism, preached a sermon that was talking about the almost versus the altogether Christian. And in that sermon, he finally delineated what is the difference between the almost, the, the, the good, may, maybe good enough Christian versus the altogether, which is the Christian that, that nails it, that, that lives fully into being a, a Jesus follower. And he boils it down to three components, that an altogether Christian loves God, loves others, and fully trusts and has confidence in God, and in John Wesley word, wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. So at face value, his sermon was not directly related to Christmas or Advent, but actually the concept has proven to be quite helpful for us as we think about our typical Advent preparations. 
How do we make space for Christ coming again into our lives? And as Christians and Jesus followers, what kind of space do we give Jesus to occupy in our hearts and our lives? These three components that Wesley talks about, I think are helpful ways to help us think not only about how we prepare for Jesus to come, but then how we live our lives as Jesus is growing up and the space that we give for Christ then. Again, when we think about that first nativity, I believe all three of those components are present. We can look at Mary and Joseph who demonstrated this worship of God, this love of God, particularly Mary as she begins to sing after Gabriel comes and tells her what is about to happen. We also think about how the shepherds were praising and worshiping God as well, but the shepherds also demonstrated love of others because after they had come and checked out what had happened, what did they do? They realized this was too amazing for them, this lowest of the low in that society, to keep this all to themselves. So they decided that they needed to share this good news, to go and tell this good news to anybody that would listen. And then all of the participants of this nativity in one way or another, in their own way showed, demonstrated a trust and a confidence in God. Obviously, Mary and Joseph um, depended on trusting God to make this crazy thing that was happening in their life come to be. The shepherds trusted that what the angels were telling them was true and they went to check it out, found it to be true and, and trusted that God was gonna continue to do amazing things to this baby. The wise men, they trusted the vision that told them to not do what King Herod was telling them to do and they decided to, to protect that baby by going home another way. What we wanna do is to think about uh, what are some altogether Christmas moments that we've experienced in our lives and begin to use this sort of litmus test of loving God, loving others, and putting our trust and confidence in God to see um, how, how, uh, how these, like what really made it an altogether kind of Christmas experience. Uh, so Jeff, I wonder if you would share with us a time when you understood for yourself what that difference was between almost and altogether. Yeah, I think, so for me growing up, um, I, it was similar to what we experienced in this, this first worship set with the songs. There was just something so beautiful and peaceful and serene and holy in that moment. And, and I had a moment like that when I was growing up. There was a woman in my congregation, uh, Cynthia Twining, if by some chance of miracle you're listening, <laughs> God bless you. Um, she used to sing uh, Oh Holy Night every Christmas Eve. And that was the moment. It was, it was an angel's voice singing when she would sing. And it was that, it was a, it was a, that I felt that in my soul, that that was an altogether Christmas because it brought me into a space of adoring Christ the Lord through the voice of an angel. And it was beautiful. And she did it for many, many years. And, and I'm so grateful for her um, because that was altogether Christmas. We probably all have the, that thing, that moment that we, we get used to in our tradition or our practice that really does make something feel uh, like, what do we say? It's not Christmas until yeah. something happens. Yeah. And, and those are ways in which we worship God, right? That helps mm -hmm. us to love God fully, yeah. which Wesley was talking about. Um, Laura, I wonder if you have some experiences of, as well to share. 
Yeah, so, so two stories come to mind for me, um, and both were, were some of those unexpected moments when things were different. It wasn't that, that thing that it's not Christmas until these were different kinds of Christmas years, but ended up feeling really holy and like an altogether Christmas, even despite the circumstances. So the first was actually when I was in my early teens, and um, when I was growing up, my family, we, we had moved when I was about five, and we continued to drive forever, um, to 45 minutes to church every Sunday. But on Christmas Eve at the late night service, my, my family did not drive in the 45 minutes for those services. And so eventually we started going to a, a closer church just for Christmas Eve to have those services. But on this particular year, there was an ice storm. So there was no chance. I mean, we couldn't get out of our driveway, much less to any church service. And of course, this was you know, before live stream services, so we couldn't join in any worship service from home. But I was determined that we had to have a worship service for Christmas Eve. <laughs> and so I um, played some little songs on the piano, not nearly as beautiful. There were probably lots of wrong notes and our singing was not as beautiful as we've been able to enjoy here. But we, we sang Christmas hymns and we read the Christmas story together. And it was just this really sweet little time of worship with just my family in our formal living room that we hardly ever used <laughs> except at Christmas time. That's where we put the tree. Um, and it was just a really, um, really special service. And it's funny thinking back now, I never thought that one day I would be planning and leading Christmas Eve services every year. Um, but, but it was, that's, the first one I remember planning and leading, and it was a really special one. Um, and the other story that, that came to mind was once I was a pastor and, and leading, and I was in my second year of, of ministry serving a church down in Yadkin County. And um, my church there had built a partnership with a, a local um, assisted living facility, and um, it was a place called Pine Brook, and a lot of the residents there struggled with mental illness. Um, some had come there from living on the streets, and most of them had no family or friends that, that would come and visit them. And so our church had started going there. We'd go every month and celebrate whatever residents had birthdays that month, and it was mm. um, a way we had started to build relationships. And so um, that year we decided, hey, you know what would be really special is if we went on Christmas Day and we did a, a little worship service there. And so um, this, again, this particular year had also been a hard year because a, a dearly loved member of that church, Charlie, had just passed away right before Thanksgiving. And he, he and his wife were both leaders in, in missions in the church and their daughter was the choir director. And um, so it was going to be a hard Christmas for them and for all of us. We were missing... Um, missing him that, that year. But on this Christmas day, I remember his wife and daughter and a few other church members and I, we, we went there to Pine Brook and we gathered in the dining room and, you know, there, there weren't really any decorations. It was pretty bare cement walls and, um, you know, just some round tables, but the residents came, some of them in wheelchairs, some of them could barely speak, others were randomly shouting things out as we were reading the Christmas story from Luke, and who knows what they were talking about. Um, but it was just a really beautiful, beautiful time where we, again, sang some of the favorite Christmas songs and we shared in Holy Communion. Um, and, and I remember thinking like this, here, this random group of people that, why would we ever find ourselves in the same room except for 
maybe through Christ, mm-hmm. and yet here we were, um, and celebrating the, the birth of the Christ child, and it just felt like this, this is what Christmas is, is supposed to be about. Right. Um, I love those examples because they, to me, that also is the loving others, but also loving God. Like there's a beautiful combination of that, the sense of, of really being able to offer love and care for one another through the worship of God in a space that was very unexpected. Um, and then to see what, what God can do through that. And that kind of reminds me of, well, one of my altogether Christmas moments was when I was 13 years old, my uncle was in the, the last stages of cancer, brain cancer. We knew this was going to be our last Christmas with him, and he, ugh, he was just a dear, dear, beloved member of our family. And that year, he was, he was feeling good at Christmas. We were all able to gather, and he was there with us. I, all the pictures I have, you know, like he, he's bald. You can tell that he's not well. But that particular year, it was not the presents that were underneath the Christmas tree that became important that year. That year, it was his presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. His presence with us and this ability for us as a family just to celebrate him and to to recognize that that was the gift that we had that year was that moment and time um, to just love on him and and realize how how important our family and those relationships were. Uh, and I think that is an example of uh, putting trust, I think, and confidence in God, because for us, it was a matter of just trusting in that moment that what made that Christmas special was taking what the circumstances we had been given and remembering what was beautiful and most important uh, in life. And, And part of that was also entrusting him into God's care, and we were able to do that, and it was, it wasn't sad, it, we had joy, it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful time. Um, the story seems yeah. like particularly poignant this year, right, <laughs> after all the things that we've been through, uh, the circumstances we've all faced as a, as a world, as a people. Yes, <laughs> um, absolutely. Yeah. It, right, and to, to maybe shift, it might help us shift our perspective mm-hmm. on what does make an altogether Christmas moment. Patty, we saved yours for last. <laughs> Share with us your amazing altogether Christmas moment. Well, it was a Christmas Eve and I was a divorced woman with two kids. And my two kids had just gone to be with their father. And I had set up the Christmas tree and all the presents and everything looked all wonderful. And I sat down and said, this sucks. <laughs> I felt so sorry for myself. Here I am alone with this gorgeous tree, and this just is not right, God, and I'm really mad. And I got a phone call from a good-looking fella in my church who was divorced, who had just dropped his kids off at his ex-wife's place, and he said, could I stop by and see you? So after he got lost twice to get to my house, by the way, He stopped by, we had some apple cider, and he looked at me and said, so what has God done for you today? And my first thought was, I'm going to smack you, because I'm having a pity party. And he proceeded to tell me what joy he had for Christmas, and that changed my almost Christmas to an altogether Christmas, 
And this Christmas Eve, we celebrate our 31st Christmas Eve together. And each <laughs> Christmas Eve, we say, what has God done for you today? Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Ken's in the house. Yeah, Ken's in the house. <laughs> uh, we really probably could just say amen at that point. But what a beautiful example of trusting and having confidence in God. And to be able to ask that question, what has God done for you today? Um, I would challenge all of us to think about that in this Advent season. Like, let that be a framing question for us. What has God done for you this season? today, this year. But all of these are stories or examples where we experience or understood what an altogether Christmas moment feels like. I wonder what stories you all would add into the mix. What are your altogether Christmas moments? As this time for preparation has ended and Christmas is here, we realize Advent was preparation for Christ coming into our lives. Now, now the work becomes figuring out how do we live our lives with Christ as an everyday part of it. We must move from this almost Christmas moment, and I want to challenge us to move that to these altogether Christian moments and life. Oftentimes when we have those altogether Christian moments in our lives, if you can think of those, whether it's at Christmas time or any time of the year, I would place money that if you trace it back and really reflect on it, you're probably going to find a perfect expression of one of those three components that Wesley was talking about. This sense of loving God or loving others or, or demonstrating having that trust and confidence wholeheartedly in God, or maybe a combination of the three of them. And if that is the pattern, if those are components of these altogether Christian moments and, and uh, uh, times in our lives, then they also provide for us the key for how we might move from having these almost, almost Christian experiences to frequent and repeated altogether Christian moments that, that we begin to live them more regularly. We look for opportunities to practice loving God, to love others, and to practice trusting, uh, offering a full confidence in Christ in, in our lives. That then when we're able to do that, we create a life that is filled with altogether moments that is filled with rich and beautiful moments. The truth is, when we put Christ first in our lives, then that love and that trust in God begins to spill over into the relationships that are nearest and dearest to us. That's counterintuitive. We think we've gotta pour ourselves first and foremost into those relationships that are closest to us, but that's actually not the case because those folks are not able to, to, to infinitely and eternally give and give to us like God is. But when we start and put that trust and confidence and love in God first, then that spills over not only into our lives, into the lives of those that are, are nearest and dearest to us. And then it begins to, that love begins to spill over into uh, their lives, uh, the lives of those around them, uh, more peripheral relationships around us. 
then that begins to spill over into our workplace, into our home life. It begins to have this ripple effect that um, when everything is, becomes blessed because we have put Christ at the center of it all. Um, it creates this incredible effect when we get the order right and choose to make the commitment. Now I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, um, yeah, well, that all sounds great, but I stink at actually doing that. Friends, here's the good news for us tonight. Here's the good news. We don't need to hide from God our imperfections. We don't need to hide from God that the truth is most days we're living an almost Christian life that we fall short, that we're not quite there. In face of that truth, what God is actually trying to say to us at Christmas is that it's going to be okay because you are not alone. I have come to be with you. Hmm. God, go ahead. Sorry, can yeah. I just, and again, just what an important thing to recognize and to realize right now, this Christmas, as I'm sure many of us are not gathered with the entire group of family and friends that we normally would be gathering with, right? Yeah. And so how much more important this year to say, hey, we understand the importance of Christmas is focusing on Christ. Mm, and all that other stuff will come as a result of that, right? Because this Christmas more than ever, like that, this is gonna be a weird Christmas, right? This is a weird Christmas. Um, and yet the focus on Christ is the yeah. reason we, we gather in the first place with anyone. And so it just feels so much more important this year when things feel off and not quite all together. Right. Mm -hmm. I love that because it's that reminder that while we might not be all together with our family, and by putting that focus on the fact that Christ is with us, we are mm -hmm. together with mm -hmm. Christ. Yeah. And ultimately, and maybe especially in this moment, that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. um, this reminder that God is with us. And through that, um, we're not alone and we're able to participate, to be part of this incredible adventure that God and, and Christ has invited us into. And if we are willing to, to, to try and love God, love others, and put that trust and confidence in God, God's going to help us. Um, God wants to help us. And so friends, it doesn't matter how hopeless this world might be, God has come to give us an altogether hope that inspires us to go out into this hopeless world and become um, uh, someone who makes a difference for good. And it doesn't matter how broken or discombobulated you might feel right now uh, personally, that God has come to give you an altogether peace so that you can be a beacon of peace for all of those unsettled people that are around you right now. And it doesn't matter how many times you feel lost or depressed or down, or maybe how obsessed you become with things of this world in search for happiness. God has come to not only be present with you, but to also offer you an altogether joy that seeps into the innermost parts of our weary spirit. And then that joy has the power to lift those up that are around you as well. 
And finally, it doesn't matter what kind of life you have lived in the past, how unloved or unlovable you might have been or felt. God has come to give you an everlasting and altogether love that will allow you to start with a, uh, just have a brand new start today, tonight, in this moment. Ultimately, this is what Christmas is about. Mm -hmm. Accepting the beautiful truth that God has come to us, is accessible to us, that we can take these crazy moments and um, experience what God can do in the midst of these, these altogether moments for us. And in response, we then try to make Christ the center of our attention, the heart of it all, the center of our lives. And when that friend, that person asks us, what has God done for you today? My hope is that, oh, we would peer into that manger, not just on Christmas Day, but every day. Let us pray. Holy God, Father of this holy night that we celebrate, we've waited a long moment for this moment. We are still in awe that you have stooped so low as to enter our messy human experience. Thank you. Thank you for loving us and caring about us so much that you want to help us fully experience your hope, peace, joy, and love, and not just tonight, but every day. Come, Lord Jesus, into our hearts this day. Amen. Amen.